Hey there, it's Scary Parish. It's Wednesday, April 24, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and we're recording this on Wednesday night because Norlander has been in federal court each day this week where the name of Arizona coach Sean Miller was brought up and not in a positive way on Wednesday. FBI recorded videos were played. Marty Blazer was on the stand. So there's a whole lot to get to as it relates to what's happening in this federal courtroom in lower Manhattan. But Norlander, let's focus on the big headline right at the jump. Um, Christian Dawkins on video talking with Marty Blazer and two undercover FBI agents. He, the subject of Sean Miller comes up. How does it come up? What does it mean for Sean Miller? Is there any way it's not bad news for Sean Miller? Um, there's a slight potential that it's not bad news. I mean, it's more negative headlines about Sean Miller. I mean, they are his name is on um, multiple national major websites in, in relation to this. Um, how does it come up? It comes up because Christian Dawkins is – uh, trying to get his management business off the ground. This is June 6, 2017. He is on a yacht in New York's Battery Park. Does not have any idea what is actually happening here, obviously. Um, and he starts talking about Sean Miller because as he's trying to get uh, this money, and he is going to get the money uh, from these angel investors who are undercover FBI agents, he is explaining how he has developed relationships with college coaches, uh, primarily a lot of assistance, but in, in doing that and using former South Carolina assistant and Oklahoma State assistant Lamont Evans, who has pleaded guilty in this case and was formerly charged and arrested, um, he then starts to get into how uh, bigger schools, bigger coaches are really the ones that if you're going to be paying monthly uh, stipends, if that's even the proper term here, to these coaches, you need to have guys that are bringing in NBA-type players annually and so then that's how he gets into the Sean Miller stuff the book Richardson stuff and where he Dawkins again uh, speaking on this video not from the stand but on the video uh, starts talking about Sean Miller and how he needs to be involved with everything in the program how he's talked to Sean Miller and then um, although there is no explicit statements that tie Sean Miller to paying his players it is in any common sense interpretation of what he is talking about. Uh, it is Miller being involved as far as Dawkins is concerned uh, with some illegalities when it comes to recruiting. The big question that lingers, Parrish, and I'll toss it back to you right now, is whether this was Dawkins saying some truths, all truths, half truths, or if a lot of it just wound up being bluster as in this moment he is meeting people for the first time, the undercover officers who he thinks are real investors for his company, and trying to just present himself to be larger than he actually is within the world of college basketball. So at one point on video, Christian Dawkins says, Sean Miller called me a week and a half ago and said, I'm taking care of everything myself. That is in relation to the recruitment of DeAndre Ayton. And according to Christian Dawkins, on this video, again, he uh, is t retelling the story, but he says, Sean Miller told me, Quote, I want to bring you in. I'll turn everything over to you. And then Marty Blazer, who was on the stand, subsequently testifies that he understood that to mean 
that Sean Miller had been taking care of payments for DeAndre Ayton. Sean Miller was taking care of everything. Christian Dawkins goes on to say, Sean Miller has to know everything that goes on. I can call Sean and have a conversation like, this is what's needing to be done. He'll talk on the phone about stuff he shouldn't talk on the phone about. So there's a, you know, that, that's obviously all interesting. And if you want to say that Christian Dawkins is just lying, then I guess you can say that. It's not something a reasonable person would think, but if you want to think it, it's fine. Because, um, whatever, we'll get into that momentarily. But is it clear to you? Now, Sean, Sean Miller might come out and subsequently say, I never told Christian Dawkins that I was taking care of everything um, as it related to DeAndre Ayton or that I was doing anything improper as it relates to DeAndre Ayton or any other player. He's simply not telling the truth. And if, as long as Sean's not on a wiretap, um, you know, stating otherwise, then he, you know, that might be a story that at least Arizona fans will believe and that at least uh, it will allow him to keep his job. But if we are to accept what Christian Dawkins on video said as, as the truth, is it clear to you that at the very least Christian Dawkins was operating under the idea that Sean Miller had told him, yes, I've done a deal for DeAndre Ayton. Is there any doubt in your mind that that's what Christian Dawkins, if we accept his story as the truth, that's what he—that's the idea he was operating. Sure, on. yeah. Uh, there's no other interpretation of that. There's is no other interpretation. As long as you now, some will not accept it because they'll—they can easily point to uh, his lack of credibility, the 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 reasons that he was fired from Andy Miller's sports agency, uh, racking up just uh, thousands of dollars in, in Uber uh, debts and and and. You know, getting booted out from uh, from that company to begin with, but yes, uh, uh, there is no other way to interpret that. And also, uh, I have to include here that amid all this testimony, it was all you know. Blazer also testified, and to be clear, he is he has been working with the U.S. Attorney's Office for uh, it is more than th I mean, it's been a, it's more than three years at this point, maybe more than four years, and been working with the FBI. Uh, for a little less uh, than that, is facing 67. Like, he is not a reputable guy either, um, the stuff that he is, he's gotten himself into, but he is facing 67 years in prison as a max sentence if he violates uh, any part of his agreement, which includes not only lying here, but ever lying or misleading in the course of this investigation. Uh, and he said, you know, Book Richardson at, uh, and we, you know, Book pleaded guilty, so all, all this stuff is uh, basically accepted as fact at this point, but Book Richardson took thousands of dollars over multiple meetings and uh, agreed to, to help uh align Arizona prospects with uh, Christian Dawkins and his company and the financial advisors uh, attached to that thereafter. So as a mere uh, state of fact, uh, there was and is a former Arizona coach who has been connected to this um, in in nefarious ways. That's not Sean Miller, but it has been people who are on uh, Sean Miller, who were on Sean Miller's staff. And what makes it even more interesting, real quick, and I'll throw it back to you, uh, is like Dawkins is caught talking uh, about the nature of Book Richardson and Sean Miller's uh, working relationship, how long they've known each other. Uh, he says it's weird. It's like a bad marriage. Uh, I happen to share this anecdote with uh, with a high profile coach 
uh, afterward on Wednesday, and <laughs> he said it's college basketball, baby, which is which was his way of saying uh, a lot of times these these uh, these head coach and assistant relationships can almost get rocky as 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 uh, as a byproduct of the, of the actual business there. So um, I think some people have picked up on that. Parish don't necessarily mean if that's uh, uh, anything detrimental to what Dawkins was claiming there, but it was it was it was interesting. And the way that this all came up, I mean, I didn't enter that courtroom on Wednesday thinking that we were going to get stuff on Sean Miller for sure. I mean, if you would have made me say yes or no, I said I I wouldn't think so uh, because the prosecution doesn't want Miller to even testify. And yet here it is presenting video, which I don't think necessarily helps its case. But within the context of the conversation Dawkins was having, he was talking about a lot of stuff. That's where the prosecution was trying to establish the conspiracy and the bribery that Dawkins was setting out to uh, to ensnare a lot of college coaches with. Well, let me explain why I asked the question to you the way I asked the question. Because earlier today, while following you and uh, Nicole Auerbach and Dan Wetzel and Adam Zagoria on Twitter, all of you, I, I, I assume all of you were there because you were all tweeting about it. Um, yep. You know, I, I tweeted, like, go check their feeds. They got all the details. But the biggest development seems to be that Christian Dawkins is on a video um, saying that Sean Miller told him he had done a deal for uh, for DeAndre Ayton. And some Arizona fans and, like, the, the clowns who run some of the Arizona websites, like the, the fan sites, they're like, well, that's not what Christian Dawkins said. I mean, there's, like, two camps, right? It's one is, like, you can't believe Christian Dawkins. And the other one is, like, that's not even what he said. If you want to say you don't believe Christian Dawkins, if I can't make you believe Christian Dawkins. He has credibility problems. He is a convicted felon. Um, Sean Miller's best um, chance at surviving this is probably rooted in the fact that the guy who can um, most easily bring him down, best we know, has massive credibility problems. And he's a convicted felon, and there's no um, evidence that suggests Arizona or the NCAA is going to be able to or even willing to um, except simply Christian Dawkins' word as the gospel as it relates to Sean Miller. It is possible that the way this forever goes down is Christian Dawkins says, this is what was happening, and Sean Miller says, no, it wasn't, and that's just where we're at. Totally, he said, he said forever. Mm-hmm. So if that's where you're at, I can't, I can't move you to the other side. I'm not even going to try to. But that is what he's on the video saying. He, but Christian Dawkins believes that Sean Miller told him that Sean Miller did a deal for DeAndre Ayton. And the quote, I think, is very important to focus on what Christian Dawkins actually said. Because he said, Sean Miller said, I've been taking care of everything, but I will turn it over to you. The only thing that could possibly mean is, I've been taking care of the family, but eventually I'm happy to turn it over to you, let you start taking care of them. I took care of them to get them on campus. You can take care of them to get them with your company. I'll turn this thing over to you. There's nothing else to turn over to Christian Dawkins. Like some Arizona fans are tweeting me like, well, you know, all Sean Miller meant was I've taken the lead uh, role in the recruitment of DeAndre Ayton. That's all he meant. That he was, it wasn't book recruiting him. It wasn't uh, Pasternak recruiting him. It was just uh, Sean. That's what he meant. Well, then what does he mean when he says, I'll hand it over to you? You're going to hand over the lead recruiting role? Like, what does that mean? Except for, I've been taking care of the family. I'm going to hand that over to you. I got. I, I had to take care of them to get them on campus. You can start taking care of them to get them with your company. Like, honest to God, right. I, I don't ask this so that you don't push back. If, if you have another way to interpret those words, 
please enlighten me. No, there, there's not. And at this point, remember, like just to to crystallize the timeline here, Aiton's on. He is scheduled to get to campus, right? To as as a student at the University of Arizona. So, if we are to believe Dawkins and what he is passing along here, again, it is him saying he talked to Sean Miller, and he is he is uh, putting on the table uh, a scenario in which. All things to take care of DeAndre Ayton that don't have – he's not a coach. He doesn't work for the University of Arizona. Under what other circumstances could Christian Dawkins be dealing with DeAndre Ayton uh, than, than to, you know – I mean, the, the verbiage cannot be interpreted in any other way. Uh, to, to take care it, of him, to, to yeah. provide I mean, like, him with some, benefits. And I should say this. It's not all Arizona fans, just like it's never all Kentucky fans and it's never all mm-hmm. Duke fans or whatever. It's not all Arizona fans, but it is some of them and a couple of them who work for these sites and what they think, these Arizona-related sites, and what this happens, and it's not unique to Arizona fans, I should say. Ole Miss you know, fan site reporters and alums did it with the Hugh Freeze stuff. You do these mental gymnastics and you somehow convince yourself because you're blinded by fandom. You convince yourself that something that is clear as day right in front of you isn't actually what it is. And that you're the only one who can see it the proper way. Everybody else is dumb. No, it's always you. It's always you that, that's the dumb one. Like, if you want to, as an Arizona fan, well, well, first, let me say this. Um, again, Sean Miller says, um, I'm, I've, I've been taking care of everything, but I'm going to turn it over to you. That's according to Christian Dawkins. There's nothing else turning over to you could mean except for something improper. There's nothing else it could mean except something improper. So, like, if you if you are suggesting otherwise, you just sound dumb. The other thing I've heard from some Arizona fans is uh, two things. One is, well, you 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 um, you know you you can't believe. Oh, Christian Dawkins is it sounds like a guy who's just trying to keep stay out of jail. So he'll say anything he's got to say to stay out of jail. You have to understand the timeline, Christian Dawkins. When he's recorded, again, June 2017, saying these things on a yacht to undercover agents, he is, doesn't, he does, the concept of jail is not even a thing. He can't even imagine going to jail for any of this stuff. So he's not saying anything to try to stay out of jail. He's not even been accused of anything, charged with anything. Jail is not his, in his world. So that's just like, if you tweeted that, you're, you're, again, you don't know what you're talking about. The other thing you hear is, well, Christian Dawkins, that sounds to me like a guy who's just trying to make himself sound like a big shot to a couple of investors. Like, I got a relationship with Sean Miller. I got a relationship. Just trying to make him sound bigger than he is so that he can make sure to secure relationships with these business people. And I will concede, perhaps that's true. Lots of us have probably done that. But why is he not talking crazy about anybody else? Why, why, why is it only Sean Miller he's talking about in this way? Uh, what? Yeah, like I mean, and I know it's not only Sean Miller, but like, why is he not? If he's really trying to make himself sound like a big shot to these investors, why didn't he have stories exactly like the Sean Miller story with seven other head coaches across the country? I can what? answer that question for you exactly because this is something that didn't get tweeted about, didn't land in the stories, uh, the specific thing. But the reason why he doesn't is as he is uh, in, a, in a separate part of the testimony today, GP. I'm scanning through my notes here, he is talking. Uh, he is talking to them about 
the assistant coaches being the ones that he has access to, the ones who are dealing with these recruits on an intimate basis. And he, like Dawkins even says, I, the head coaches are not the one, and I'm, gonna, I'm paraphrasing him here, but sure. the head co- like most head coaches I don't have access to. He mentions Miller. He mentions Izzo because he has known Izzo since he was just a, a, a little boy. Um, uh, and in fact, in a, a quick uh, a side tragedy, this, one of Dawkins' brothers, younger brothers, actually uh, collapsed and died at a, at a Tom Izzo camp. It, it is uh, a tremendously sad story. And it, there's there's kind of a story behind all the story that we've seen here with this uh, with Dawkins that is kind of remarkable. But he, my point is that he he was not saying uh, the way that T.J. Gasnol in the first trial admitted on the stand to goosing up his juice and relevance with Rick Pitino and the recruitment of Brian Bowen, Dawkins is not putting forth his position with a lot of big-name coaches to the investors and to Blazer. He is with Miller. It says he knows Izzo, which is absolutely true. Um, and I don't even think he gets too deep into the Rick Pitino stuff. In fact, he oddly... Uh, I don't know if this is good or bad for Patino because it makes Patino look clueless. But he, Patino, he says, doesn't even know anything. He says a lot of big boys do know what's happening. Rick Patino uh, just has has no idea what's happening with this program. So I know the point you're making there, but there just to to give you some more perspective on that, like Dawkins does just to say, you know, I I will have access to a lot of guys, a lot of assistants, and then you know maybe by proxy the head coaches, but uh, most like major head coaches, I, I'm not close with. Right. Well, you're underlining my point. Um, you know what an what a what a illogical Arizona fan would would tell you is that Christian Dawkins is just out there, you know, throwing around Sean Miller's name to try to make himself um, sound big to these investors. Okay, like, but why nobody else then? Why is he actually telling the investors, I don't really know John Calipari like that. You know, I don't really know uh, Bill Self like that. The only one he's like... if. if my point is simple. If you, if he was really, if the goal of these comments was to make himself appear bigger than he is, then he would have, like, went way more than just Sean Miller. Like, if he, he, it's illogical to think he's making up all these wild things about Sean Miller, but doesn't make up these wild things about these other people. Like, does that make sense? Do you see what I'm saying? It makes sense, and plus, context here helps in that, like. Well before this ever came out, all I can say is like the scuttlebutt and rumor mongering about the fact that DeAndre Ayton got to Arizona under unusual, if not illegal, pretenses when it came to recruiting. This was a commonly discussed thing behind the scenes. So when you combine that with what Dawkins is talking about here, within the context of it being the year 2017, it it makes a lot of sense as to why he would say the things that he was saying. Like, again, and that should never be forgotten, by the way. Like, we know that because T.J. Gasnola testified to it, and there's text messages. We know T.J. Gasnola, on behalf of Adidas, was trying to buy DeAndre Ayton for Kansas. We know that. We know Kansas was trying – Kansas would deny this, but Adidas, we know that Adidas was trying to cheat on behalf of Kansas. Whether Kansas was involved or not – is a point of contention, even though, like, get out of my face. It's the victim, but, GP. Never forget that Kansas victim right there. Um, so we, what we know, as a, as a matter of fact, is that Adidas was trying to buy DeAndre Ayton. Trying to buy DeAndre Ayton. And we know that TJ Gasnola gave $15,000 to the homie Larnell. 
We know that. And so then DeAndre Ayton just goes to Arizona for nothing? What? Like, even if we didn't have any of this other stuff, once we know that, we know something went down. And according to Christian Dawkins, who was being recorded, he didn't even know he was being recorded. Here's what went down. Shaw Miller did a deal and was very comfortable talking about the deal. And it's so much so that a hustler like Christian Dawkins, somebody as reckless as Christian Dawkins, is caught on video saying, man, Sean Miller talks wild on the phone in ways that he shouldn't be. Wait, when Christian Dawkins thinks you're reckless Mm -hmm. with your words, what does that say about you? Obviously not good things. Um, Also, we've got um, two assistants that have been at least linked to inappropriate stuff. Book Richardson, guilty. Joe Pasternak's name has popped up several times throughout this stuff. And then the other, another assistant fired for right. improper stuff. So, like, it, like, I've had other coaches, you know, Power Five coaches say, how can you run a program that is tied to all this stuff? Every one of your assistants, at least there's allegations tied to every one of them. And you're still the coach? Like, it's crazy. And I don't say any of this with joy. Like, I've I known Sean for a long time. I like Sean Miller. But, like, like it is what it is. I mean, at some point, you have to, like, not be blinded by fandom or just ignorant to reality. Like, I don't think Arizona was the only – has been the only program out there cheating. But there is no way a reasonable person could think anything other than Arizona's been cheating given everything that we now know has been connected to that program. Uh yeah, uh, you're hitting on obvious talking points. I've I've heard the same thing. I, I, there are many a coach who wonder how the hell Sean Miller still has his job, frankly, um, and and now have become all the more cynical to it, um, just because of the circumstances and facts and the trial stuff that has surrounded uh, the program. And and today, just really, it really amplified it. Um, I know you got more GP. I will mention real quick, after all this stuff happens, you know, it's Dawkins, his father, who is uh, was Draymond Green's former high school coach and now is a college basketball assistant, a longtime coach. They're both standing outside the courthouse along with Steve Haney, their lawyer. Um, and Dan Wetzel went up to Haney first as I was uh, composing my notes. And uh, I came to realize that he asked uh, that Haney told him that on on Thursday morning, he is going to see if, because of what the prosecution brought into evidence today, uh, if Sean Miller can be used as a witness for the defense. Because if the prosecution is bringing about this video and what Dawkins is relaying in regard to Sean Miller, the prosecution sees as relevant, then why is it not equally as relevant for the defense to be able to use Miller on the stand? The question becomes... Will the judge, who said he was open to reconsidering, will he actually do that? And again, what Dawkins was talking about is not actual evidence. It is um, it is hearsay. It is conjecture. And so that the the judge could still say, no, this doesn't this doesn't fall within the realm of what I want here. Um, but that we will probably get an answer to that on Thursday. Um, but that's kind of, you know, as the story lingers here, we talk about what happened with Miller, and I have a few more things you want to get to. I just wanted to give a heads-up to listeners whenever you might be checking out this podcast. Maybe we'll have an update by by uh, by noon. My guess, though, by the way, is that I still don't think that Miller is going to testify. If he did, it is is it is a sea change in the case for many obvious reasons. Uh, the last thing I would say is that 
you know, because I, I am assuming we'll have a lot of Arizona fans who are listening to this because it's a podcast primarily about um, Arizona or at least Arizona's coach. And I, I guess my message would be this. If you want to say, hey, listen, other programs cheat. We know Mike. We, we believe Nike's buying players for some of the bluest blood programs in America. We know that Adidas was working for Kansas. So, like, yeah, this is about us now, but don't make it out like we're the only ones. Fine with me. I'll nod, I'll nod in agreement. And if you want to say, um, hey, listen, I don't even care. Whatever. Like, watching DeAndre Ayton was fun. So, like, maybe we have to vacate stuff someday, and maybe it ultimately cost our coach's job. But I don't care. That's fun. We've been, we've been good for a while. It's been fun. That's a reasonable position to take as well. If you want to say, all right, we did it, but we might get away with it because if all you got is Christian Dawkins' word and a whole bunch of circumstantial evidence, then that's all you got. And I don't think we're going to get hammered over Christian Dawkins' word and a bunch of circumstantial evidence. Woohoo! That Celebrate it. That's fine. That's what fans do all over the country. The only thing I object to is trying to pretend that this isn't as it is, that this isn't what it is. Same thing with LSU fans. If you want to be excited about the idea that you really might get away with it, um, okay, like it is, it is, it's, this is college athletics, but just don't be dumb about it. Don't pretend that it's not exactly as it appears because no reasonable person could read or listen to everything we've read or heard about wiretaps text messages, emails, um, under oath testimony, documents. Nobody could could digest all of this stuff over the past, you know, couple years and reach any conclusion other than at Arizona, they were operating way outside of the rule book for a significant period of time. Uh, that's very hard to disagree with, and um, we've gone way too long without a disagreement. Hopefully we'll land on something soon here. Uh, the question will become, as to what you're getting with there, Parrish, how soon the NCAA actually chooses to do something about this. I, with everything we've, we've um, had attached to the university at this point, I find it hard to believe that the NCAA will not uh, make it a point to come down on Miller and Arizona at some point. I just don't know when that will be. And again, we we could still we are going to he- still hear more with this. We are still going to hear more as the trial comes out uh, and continues with Blazer's testimony Thursday and Friday. At the he's going till Friday at the at the at the earliest. He's gonna be he is going to set the record for the longest day over day testimony of anyone in either of the first two cases. We're gonna find out more about Booker Richardson's involvement with all of this. Um, again, Richardson has pled guilty, as has Tony Bland, uh, as has Lamont Evans um, in, in this specific case. But uh, there is still more to come out with Arizona. And and there was plenty that came out with other schools, by the way. But obviously, you get to Sean Miller and what Dawkins was saying. That's that's the headline from th- from Wednesday. Um, one more thing before we move on to actual basketball stuff. Um, you mentioned it in passing, but I, I think it's worth pointing out because it is kind of hilarious. Um, one of the things Christian Dawkins is also on video saying is that, man, Rick Pitino got no idea what's going on. You know, most, most of the big guys do, but Rick Pitino really has no idea what's going on inside of his program. And what's interesting about that is because that is essentially what Rick Pitino said this entire time. 
Like, like, hey, maybe I should have known. Not really sure how I should have known, but maybe I should have known. And ultimately, it's my responsibility. I get it. But I did not know about the stripper parties, and I did not know about Brian Bowen. And still to this day, as I pointed out previously on podcast, um, there's never been one bit of evidence that actually tied Rick Pitino to Brian Bowen or to the stripper parties. Not a wiretap, not a text message, not an email, not even um, testimony from anybody saying, oh, yeah, of course Rick Pitino knew. And now we've got Christian Dawkins on video, uh, FBI surveillance, saying, it's wild, but Rick Pitino does not know. And I understand, because when I tweeted this today, um, I had like a thousand people anxious to tell me, well, it's his job to know. No shit. I know it's his job to know, right? <laughs> like, I understand. And there are actually rules that the NCAA has put in place to hold head coaches accountable for things that happen on their watch. I'm not sitting here and telling you Rick Pitino was wrong to lose his job at Louisville. All I'm saying is that if you are somebody who found it just impossible to believe that Rick Pitino really was in the dark about this stuff, well, at the very least, uh, Christian Dawkins, who clearly has no um, hesitation telling you about what college basketball coaches do know, most notably Sean Miller, Oh, here's Christian Dawkins on video saying, you know what? It's actually true. Rick Pitino does not have any idea what's going on in his program. And I would say that I always believe that about the stripper parties, and I've made that case a million times. Um, I think I, I've always thought you'd have to be really like cover your eyes. You have to be really naive to the point of being foolish to not understand something was fishy with the Brian Bowen deal, like that that just falls into your lap. And so I, I, I don't accept that as like, like if you didn't know what was going on there, you didn't, you just didn't ask any questions. You weren't as suspicious as you should have been. But um, yeah, I think today was a good day for Rick Pitino because at the very least, the one thing he's consistently said is backed up on video by somebody who, if they had the goods to bring him down, could bring him down. Fair. Um, that, that guy said Rick Pitino really did not know. Yeah. I mean, so Totally. Uh, and to those who will pick sides of this, are you going to believe Dawkins with one thing and not believe him with the other? Or are you going to believe him or not believe him with both? Uh, as you, I, I believe him on both parts. I know I you do, but I'm just saying. Everything about Sean yeah. Miller is true, and I believe he really believed that Rick Pitino did not know. I just think that, you know, it's a little bit like if I walked into my 16-year-old's room right now mm-hmm. and he was on the bed counting $3,200 out. I'd be like, yo, what? Where'd you? Where'd this thirty-two hundred dollars come from? He'd be like, oh, dad, well, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I've been working after school. You got thirty-two hundred dollars cash in your bedroom? Uh, okay, okay, well, keep working hard, bud. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like you're, you're, you're up to something if you've got thirty-two hundred dollars cash in your bedroom at sixteen years old. Like you're doing something you, you probably aren't doing. And if I don't want to know, I just got to stop asking the questions and accept your story. I, I believe that's what Rick Pitino did with Brian Bowen. There's no way that a five-star prospect just falls into your lap in a matter of weeks and something weird didn't go on. If you did not know, it means you just stopped asking questions and you accepted the version of events that made it in your best interest. So that's what I've always thought about it. But, you know, again, that that doesn't mean he didn't – that doesn't mean he wasn't really in the dark. He just – I think the most reasonable thing you can say is he chose to be in the dark. Uh yeah, I th- I I think it was as good as it was bad for Patino here. It, I checked the the time difference, so it would have been if uh, Patino happened to be uh, in touch with his Twitter account, 
uh, Greece, seven hours ahead from, from New York time. So this would have been about uh, a little shy of 10 o'clock uh, where he is at. Uh, would have loved to have seen Patino's reaction in real time uh, when the when all of this went down and the, uh, the text messages that un, un, undoubtedly uh, came flooding in. Um, I, there's plenty of skepticism with Patino as there is with Miller and that. Uh, known as maybe the biggest micromanager of his staff and his program in college basketball. Um, even if he didn't know, it was a willing unknowingness there, and that's not uh, acceptable or excusable either. I don't disagree with that at all, but I did think it interesting that Patino was dropped. Uh, and it's particularly in the tone. See, the one thing, Parrish, I can't totally invoke to you is the tone in which Dawkins was talking about this, and it was just almost sympathetic uh, that he was talking about Patino and how <laughs> much he did not know uh, when it came to all that stuff. Um can I just tick off like four or five real quick things here before we move on about the trial just in general, things that uh, aren't related to Miller and Matino? Yeah, 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 go. All right, I'll be quick. First and foremost, uh, the judge in this case, uh, I find him to be much – I won't say the previous judge, Lewis Kaplan, was unreasonable because he wasn't. He was just a stern, badass – septuagenarian and wasn't going to take anything from anyone. Uh, Edgardo Ramos is the judge here. I'd say he's maybe 15 to 20 years younger, a little more soft-spoken, a little more reasonable. There have been objections from uh, uh, the prosecution in some cross by the defense that have been overruled. And, and in my estimation, had this been Kaplan, uh, they would have been sustained. Uh, the defense was allowed to tiptoe into the NCAA realities of cheating in college basketball a little bit on Tuesday. That came with objections that were overruled, although uh, Ramos did, you know, gently after the jury had left, um, I have his direct quote here. Um, I do not want to put the defense on notice, but I will say we will not be trying the NCAA in this case. So keep that in mind. A similar theme to the first case overall, and uh, that might ultimately be one of the big reasons why Sean Miller might not be testifying. I got to talk real quick about Marty Blazer because, uh, I mean, he's 49, went to Carnegie Mellon. You know, getting to that school, you got to be a you got to be a smart guy. He's straight out of Pittsburgh, which is a coincidental uh, connection in that uh, Sean Miller uh, played at Pitt from Pitt, um, and, and here you have a guy, um, a self-made financial advisor. So get this, just real quick, his backstory as to why he even gets into this stuff because he had to talk about it. Um, he. So he like was a financial advisor for regular people and retirees, and then he gets into advising NFL players, and that actually leads to him paying college football players for more than a decade, so that the, he would be their financial advisor when they went to the NFL, and this this worked. Like he had a lot of clients, but the reason why he gets busted um, is in 2010. He met a movie producer from Pittsburgh. Apparently, he wanted to be involved in the movie business and, and completely flamed out and failed. All right, he gets approached about this mafia movie starring Ving Rhames with a one million dollar price tag, um, and so uh, you know, and Blazer gets uh, surreptitiously a few of his clients to uh, to agree to this. Uh, eventually, he quote, "I knew I wasn't going to get there. Uh, the investments were nowhere near one million, so the guy panics." moves the money without his client's knowledge, some of them NFL players. And then there was a second movie project. I mean, tell me you wouldn't want to see this movie. It was a uh, 
It was a horror movie starring Michael Clark Dun- Duncan and Misha <laughs> Barton uh, for some for some uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars that he needed to move. Eventually, one of his clients, we don't know the identity of this person, but it's an NFL player. I'd love to know who it was and what he threatened to do to to Marty Blazer because he finds out Blazer moves that money back, takes it from another client, and then soon enough, the Securities and Exchange Commission's all over this guy's rear. He's going through this from 2010 to 2013. Um, through all this is, by the way, how he meets Munish Sood, who gets caught up in the college basketball conspiracy. He gets busted, um, and then when he gets busted, he is talking with the authorities. They are telling him, listen, we got you, and you got to tell us everything you've ever done that's been wrong, ever. And so that's when he gets into telling them about paying college football players. That was the story of Tuesday, by the way. Bama, Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State. I mean, this caused uh, you know some ripples within that community. It was a complete non-story Wednesday at the trial, by the way. But uh, he has got a bizarre, buzzed haircut, slick back. I can't even describe this dude's haircut, but he he absolutely fits the part. And um, I, I, he's just a, he is an, he is an intriguing witness. Uh, sometimes looks a little bit nervous. Has admitted he is like I'm up here because I don't want to go to I don't want to go to prison for 67 years and I cannot lie. So uh, a lot of what he says actually comes off as believable because you you absolutely believe that the Fed's got this guy pinned to the wall. He has not been sentenced yet, by the way. Uh, whenever he does, whenever all this concludes, you know he's doing this in hopes that it greatly reduces his sentence the same exact way. That uh, that T.J. Gasnola hopes uh, that it will for him. Ton of other stuff that I'm not going to get to, but I will say the one random uh, side funny note of this was as Dawkins is talking, and if you want to connect this to the the Miller stuff, you can. But as Dawkins is kind of talking about, he's in a car ride. They're riding back. It's him and Blazer and Sued. They're riding back from South Carolina to Georgia after having met with Lamont Evans. They have the whole conversation about how Evans is going to get paid and how a player like P.J. Dozier can change the outcome and trajectory of a program, et cetera, et cetera. Dawkins is talking about uh, his relationship with with Izzo, and, and uh, he goes, and, and pardon my language here, but I'm going to quote directly here, um, he goes, like, Tom Izzo been in my fucking house crying and shit before when my dad didn't give him Draymond. And, <laughs> end quote, side note. So Dawkins' father coached Draymond Green in high school. What I, I relayed this quote on Twitter. What I didn't realize was apparently at the time when Draymond Green committed to Kentucky, GP, you might remember this, but this was right before I got to CBS, so I had no recollection of this. But Draymond committed to Kentucky before he even, I guess, had an offer from Michigan State. So Dawkins' story as he is telling it isn't even entirely factually correct because why would Izzo be all upset at not getting Draymond when apparently at that time Michigan State didn't even think Draymond was worth a scholarship? Anyway, I'll finish up the quote real quick here. Uh, he goes, well, at first, he didn't give him DD. He was going to Kentucky at first. Them dudes have known me since I was a little kid. And then the younger assistants all came, you know, we all came up in the business together. He's referring to uh, to Michigan State there. But the idea that Tom Izzo uh, uh, allegedly bawling his eyes out at, Christian, at the Dawkins home over not getting Draymond was... Almost as random as Sean Miller popping in out of nowhere, but that was kind of a, 
a common theme with a lot of uh, with a lot of Dawkins stuff. There's a ton there. I can't get to it. There. I'll tell you what. I'd say of everything that's been talked about, tweeted about, written about, it's maybe 10% of what's happened in the first two days. A lot of Lamont Evans, even some stuff about other agents similar to Andy Miller and how they had their hands uh, in the in the pockets of coaches, nor, uh, namely Bill Duffy, a uh, well-known NBA agent, uh, was accused by Dawkins of having Syracuse on the payroll. No other schools specifically. Uh, were mentioned there, but there's some uh, there's some intriguing stuff, and I think stuff that I'm not going to get onto on this podcast, GP, that could come into play Thursday, Friday, or even uh, next week. We'll wait and see where we go with further testimony. All right, is that it from Lower Manhattan? You think? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's about it. We actually have some interesting college hoop stuff, uh, like on court news that we should get to here, and we know that there's an audience that uh, that cares more about that than even the trial stuff. So uh, let's give it to them. Well, the biggest news of the week is on the recruiting front, and that is Cole Anthony, a consensus top five player in the class of 2019, publicly committed to North Carolina. We'll talk about that in just a second. First, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So Cole Anthony committed to North Carolina earlier this week. He's a consensus uh, top five player in the class of 2019, a combo guard, obviously the son of UNLV legend uh, Greg Anthony. And uh, what was most interesting about it to me is that he's the second five-star prospect in the class of 2019 to commit to North Carolina. Now, that might not sound like a big deal, but it is a, a bit of a stretch um, from where North Carolina was just a few years ago because um, last year they got two five-stars, Nasir Little, Kobe White. This year, two more, uh, Cole Anthony and Armand, uh, Armando Baycott. And yeah. this is the first two-year stretch where they've secured commitments from multiple five-star players uh, since 2010 and 2011. And obviously the biggest problem in preventing this in recent years was the NCAA case that hung above the program. You know, in 2015, 16, and 17, so three recruiting classes, and this basically covers the span of when the NCAA relaunched its investigation in North Carolina and then ended its investigation in North Carolina, they only got one five-star player, Tony Bradley, according to 24-7 sports in 15, 16, 17. So they got one in three years. Now they've got four in two years. Bottom line, it looks like with that NCAA cloud removed, North Carolina is now back to recruiting like North Carolina. Tony Bradley mentioned. Gosh, I had not thought. Last time you thought about Tony Bradley. (laughs) 
Yesterday, when I when his name's the one that popped up when I was writing. Man, that uh, and I trivia time. Yes, Bradley, right now. Is it? Is he in the NBA? I am looking, and it appears that he's not. Okay. Uh, Was he in the NBA as recently as 2017? It appears that he was. He played. Let me guess. Like, give me three guesses at franchises. Uh, these are going to be complete guesses. First guess, the Hawks, of course. No, I did not play for the Hawks. Okay. Second guess is the Wizards. Nope. Third guess, I can't even envision Tony Bradley in an NBA uniform. I will say, I mean, come on. I'll say the Mavericks. I have no idea. He was drafted by and has been a member of the Utah Jazz. But he has – how many games in the NBA do you think Tony Bradley has played? The fact that you ask me that makes me think it's no more than 18, so I will say 37. According to Wikipedia, it's 12. Oh, my God. He, he's played 12 NBA games, and he is currently a member of – the Salt Lake City Stars, the G League franchise of the Utah Jazz. Poor guy. Nah, shouts to Tony Bradley, regardless. And him. Shouts? Yeah, he uh, – well, let me see here. It looks like maybe he played 24 minutes in the regular season finale against the Clippers. Got the call up. He might actually be on the roster right now, although he has played zero minutes. I – Doubt that. I doubt that, too. I don't think that is going to be the case there. Um, good turn of events here for Roy Williams. Although, uh, so when Cole Anthony committed, I was, like, in the courtroom. Uh, I didn't find out until whenever I checked my phone hours later there. Um, although I thought it was going to be Carolina. Um, I'd love to – so, uh, quick analysis, quick thought on Cole Anthony from me. Analysis, uh, when I saw him play in person, I definitely thought this is one of the five best players in his class. Um I really like but don't necessarily love his game. Um, It was, I mean, Carolina from, I want to say, like last September was considered the leader. So I'd love to know from Cole Anthony, like, were you really, truly two weeks ago, a month ago, debating Georgetown and Oregon? Like, were you really, or was this, was it Carolina for like six months? And if so, like, why wait this long? I'm just, I'm curious when it went, you know, the the thinking behind that. Um, a lot of people thought that it was going to be Carolina. It winds up being Carolina. Uh, you often will see this. Like, guys that are top 15, top 20 players, there will be a school that is considered a clear front runner for months, if not years. They nevertheless opt to decide in the late signing period for one reason or another. And then lo and behold, it's Carolina. Hey, good for Roy Williams. I'll tell you this. Um, if he did debate it, Kobe White's season was the clincher. Um, Cole Anthony is not the exact kind of player as Kobe White. I might even venture to say that uh, Cole will be hard-pressed at times to be as entertaining and as productive as Kobe White was this past season, but he is going to have his chance. Uh, UNC still has three scholarships open for next season. They need to still get some more dudes that they got a nice incoming freshman class, and um, for the first time in I don't know how long. I know Duke has the number one class, and if you want to get to that in a little bit, we can, GP. But Carolina has the more the bigger name of the two among all freshmen, and I'm guessing the last time that was actually the case was Harrison Barnes. 
Um, yeah, Carolina's class, according to 24-7 Sports, is up to six in the country because they didn't just get a commitment from Cole Anthony on whatever day it was, Tuesday. Tuesday. They also got a commitment from Anthony Harris, a top 65 uh, combo guard um, from Fairfax, Virginia, and that pushed their class up to sixth in the country. But as you point out, Duke has the number one uh, class in the country, even if – do you think – do you think – do you think Cole Anthony is a bigger name than Vernon Carey? I do, because of yeah. the, because because let's because of his father in part, and because uh, even if he's not rated higher, um, he's a guard, balls in his hands more. I do, I and his dad. Listen, his dad was you know first round NFL draft pick and all like his dad's you know no stranger at all. But I do think Cole Anthony is a bigger name. I think the only bigger name in the class is Wiseman. Yeah, Wiseman's probably the biggest name in the class, and he is, by the way. Um, Jonathan Gavoni and Sam Vecini. People people forget uh, that Sam Vecini used to be on this podcast. He's on this podcast right now, actually. He is on this podcast right now. What, what if I told people that we actually still have Sam on the podcast every every episode? He just does not even try to talk anymore. <laughs> he just gave up. That's right. Yeah. Keep, but he's here, he's here right now. Keep he's going, listening. Sam. Keep, we love you. Um, Hang in there. So, yeah, they both – this is what I'm saying. They both updated their uh, 2020 NBA mock drafts, so that's the one that's going to involve players who are in college next year. Um, and they both have James Wiseman going number one. He, by all accounts, has been um, super impressive over the past month on the All-Star circuit. So that is that. But as you point out, Duke's got the number one class in the country. It's headlined by Vernon Carey, but it, it um, also includes Matthew Hurt, who committed last week. And it also includes Cassius Stanley, who committed earlier this week. So it is a five-player class. With one, two, three, four, five top 35 players, two top 10 players, and I now got Duke number two in the CBS Sports top 25 and one. Am I crazy? You, I think you're a little crazy. I well, who? This is what I, I keep running into. People are like, there's no way that team should be there. Who should be higher? Michigan State's one. Who should be higher? Uh, I read me, first of all. I, my my quick side thought on this is like great for Duke like this is what it should be doing but I'm almost a little bored by this like another like just one after another after another and I think Cash Stanley is going to be a really fun dude to watch I think he's got a chance of being a two year player who is really really good in year two almost like the the next coming of Trey Jones even though they don't play the same position um, all right read me read me your one to ten and I'll and I'm going to try Duke at two I just. I can't put him there. All right, go ahead. Read me. Who have you got 1 to 10 right now? Michigan State at 1. Yep. Number 2, Duke. Number 3 is Kentucky. Number 4 is Louisville. The other one I'm getting Gosh. a lot of pushback on. Number 5 is Maryland. Number 6 is North Carolina. Number 7 is Kansas. Number 8 is Gonzaga. This is also a big development from this week. Number 9 is Virginia because yeah. they're losing Cal Guy now too. Uh, so they're definitely losing Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, and Cal Guy, top three scores. Now, um, God, if anybody can still be really good without the top three scores, it's Tony Bennett in Virginia. Sure. Because each of the past six years, they finished in the top 12 at Ken Palm, got an average finish of 4.8. Doesn't matter who's coming, who's going. They're always good. So I kept them in the top 10. But I got Virginia at 9, Seton Hall at 10. I, I run into this every April Parish. Like – I can't, this is my I point. can't like, stand that top ten. Number two, somebody has to be number two. Who is it? Oh my gosh! Like if you if you don't think it should be Duke, 
okay, I'm, I'm listening. Who's Who's got a better roster? Who's going to have a better team? I mean, that's just – that. Michigan State, Duke, Kentucky, Louisville, Maryland, Carolina, Kansas, Gonzaga, Virginia, Seton Hall. Man, Virginia, why couldn't you just make it easy? Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, why couldn't you have just come back? Easy pick there. Um, Virginia could have won a national championship and only lost Jack Salt. I know. That's wild. Um, all right. I would – first of all – uh, well, think about that for a second. Uh, Trey Jones. Yeah, I think you do have to put him too. I, I really do. Uh, I mean, uh, Bolden, you're assuming coming back. Delaria, you're assuming is yeah. coming back. Then you add in some big time prospects like Vernon Carey, Matthew Hurt. I just, I don't know. I don't know who else to put there. <sighs> I think they do have to be too. I mean, this is. <sighs> Kentucky three, I don't know. And, like, Louisville probably has top five claim. And I don't even like them as a top five team right now. Maryland? Maryland is fifth? I've what? Been, and that's fifth with losing Bruno Fernando. But they bring back basically everything else. Jalen Smith? Think, I think that Carolina, Kansas, Gonzaga will be better Virginia might be, man, how about that? This is a gross preseason. And then, of course, by the time we get to November, I will just have convinced myself this is how it should be. But that is just, I don't know, man. Like, to me, am, am I am I alone here? Like, this just feels like a weird, undeserving top ten at the moment. But I, we also got to see, like, there's, we know generally know who's going to say who's going to go. But we still got decisions. Like, that, that's still going to come in terms of who's coming back to college basketball. And once rosters, like, thicken up and fill out and transfers make their decisions grad transfers that'll also that'll play a part there because uh like we don't know where kenny blackshear is going to go he could have an impact within the top 10 or outside of it but um well but, R- rj hampton's probably going to reclassify and enroll somewhere that's also true yeah man, uh, man i mean i you know i could just tell you at memphis they think they're getting rj hampton now i don't know if they do will you, but do they you think they're have memphis ranked yet you don't do you I do. I have them 19th, but that's okay. based on them also getting, in addition to what they already have, getting Precious Chua yeah. and uh, Lester Quinones because they're projected by 24-7 sports to get both of them. They got to be, yeah, they got to be top 20. They do. I mean, uh, if, you have, if you have Precious Achua and, and James Wiseman, that's two top 10 picks. Yeah, you you have to. Uh, and Penny was good enough in year one where that where you have to do that. Um, I'll tell I you what. Say- there was a lot of questions about what, whether he'd be able to coach. And I'm not going to sit here and call him Brad Stevens, but I will tell you as somebody who watched basically every game they played, he was never really – he never looked out of place. He was never overwhelmed. You know, the team was limited from a talent perspective because of what Tubby Smith left him. But um, I, I think he, he, he did a lot of good in terms of, um, you know, making it clear that he is not just outclassed the way a quote-unquote high school coach might be. Right. Um, I will say this uh, topic on this podcast. If all stays in place, I think Arizona might have an outside shot at being a top 10 team because you'll bring in uh, Josh Green, Nico Mannion, uh, big time players. I think Dylan Smith will make a jump. You have Chase Jeter, who will be back. Uh, Both Brandon's Randolph and Williams will be back. Maybe they can even add another piece there. 
wouldn't shock me if Arizona really made a strong boomerang back. Granted, Sean Miller is still there. Uh, don't don't necessarily uh, discount their their viability there, but yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I I can't disagree. Michigan State one, Duke two. Michigan, by the way, plummets. Um, like Jordan Poole's leaving, he's gone for good. Yeah, they lose. They're gonna lose three. They're gonna lose their top three scores. Yeah. I dropped it down to fifteen. That's fair. But but one of the points I made is that last year they lost three of their top four scores and still finished with a two seed in the NCAA tournament. I know. So Beeline's a little bit like Tony Bennett. Like, he'll probably figure this out, although I will say the difference between that and this is that he was getting ready to enroll uh, Izzy Brasdakis uh, uh, Braz, right. and uh, Iggy Brasdakis, and I, I don't think they're enrolling that kind of guy this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, well, we'll see. I mean, good on Carolina. They, they, they definitely – I remember when you sent me your original list, I looked at it at the Final Four – and I thought Carolina was too high, but I think they have to be a preseason top 10 team. And I would think they're going to add one grad transfer of real impact there. Um, we'll see if that grad transfer actually, you know, winds up being a key piece. But they, they, they have needs to fill. But uh, but UNC, well, you know, to circle back here, UNC will, will be very fun to watch with Cole Anthony. Uh, he will be a ball-dominant, high-usage, high-volume kind of player. Uh, we'll see if that is a winning strategy for Roy Williams or not. Uh, it was with Kobe White. They're not the exact kind of player, but they're both going to be fun to watch. And then, yeah, Duke is, once again, it's going to fin finish with the number one player, number one class in the country for the fourth straight year. And that... I mean that's yeah that's got to vault them to to preseason number two so um, we'll we'll have no shortage of new topics in the off season I know but I know those were the two biggest I mean those really were the two biggest recruiting headlines of the week here as by the way Friday will uh, resume the live period so coaches will be on the road Friday watching players uh, and continuing to recruit you want to call it a podcast yeah let's call it a podcast I gotta I mean I gotta get up you gotta. Train right? Uh, these, these trains, man, from Connecticut down into the city, down to the city. It's uh from door to door for me, like walking out my door to stepping onto uh into the courthouse. It's uh it's about two hours, twenty minutes or so. Like it's a real commute there. Um, I don't know how people do this every single day, but that is that is the northeast uh, grind of life. So many people live in Connecticut and commute down to the city. But um, the trial actually has turned into uh, a little more interesting than I thought it would. And as stuff progresses, we'll continue to update. I'll have stories every day from there. And this is like, I mean, I, I understand some people might have fatigue with it, but it's more, uh, frankly, it's way more interesting than Cole Anthony committing to North Carolina for me. So um, as we as we learn more, we'll continue to update you. And uh, I do think that this trial will wrap within two weeks of us recording this podcast. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast if you haven't already done it. While you're there, go ahead and rate it favorably. Five stars and nice comments. It really does help us. We really do appreciate it. So you guys knock that out. And at the very least, we'll be back uh, next week. And if uh, something happens that makes us feel like we need to be back sooner than that, uh, we will be. The best way to make sure you don't miss anything, again, subscribe. That way the episode goes right to your phone. ASAP. We'll talk to you again real soon. Until then, 